This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dan Loney. And welcome back, hour number two here on Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111. Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. Great to have you with us. Uh, the word Ebola dropped once again into our language uh, recently. Unfortunately, because of the outbreak of the disease in West Africa and Liberia, recently, Dr. Tom Frieden, who's the director of the CDC in Atlanta, said that the outbreak, quote, was even worse than I feared, unquote. The sooner the world comes together to help with people in that area, the safer we're all going to be. Two medical missionaries from the U.S. came back after contracting the virus and were treated in Atlanta. Another one came back earlier this week, but it's not seen as high risk. Still, the virus has infected more than 2,600 people in those regions, and nearly 1,500 have died. Dr. Zico Manuel joins us to discuss it. He is the vice provost of global initiatives here at the University of Pennsylvania. He's also chair of the Department of Medical Ethics and Health Policy. And we welcome into our palatial studios that we are now in uh, inhabited for about a month. Great to have you here. Nice to be here. You lo- I like the window. That's the best thing. Looking out on Locust Walk <laughs> here at, in Philadelphia. It's not. It's not a bad place to have to work every day. Yes, it's wonderful. How dangerous is this right now? I mean, obviously, it's for the most part centralized in one area of the world, but obviously, there are a lot cons- lot of concerns around the world about this. Well, uh, if you are in West Africa, especially the three countries uh, where it's had the epicenter, uh, it's a real problem, and it is a real tragedy on the ground, and it is still out of control. If you're here in the United States or you're in Western Europe or you're in Asia, uh, the risk is virtually zero. Uh, This is a virus which doesn't travel very far. It's not like flu that can start in Southeast Asia and go around the globe very quickly. Uh, This has a long incubation period. You're only infectious once you have symptoms. So the idea that we're really worried that it might break out here and we might have a real outbreak with uh, uh, hundreds or thousands of people affected in the United States, really not going to happen. So I think... The worries that many people have about, uh, you know, bringing someone over from Africa and treating them here, uh, and that might get it out or get the virus, uh, not a real problem. But the the people, the the medical aid workers that were over there and and contracted the disease and came back to the U.S., they were handled quickly. They were brought back, you know, and basically held away so that they could be treated immediately and and taken care of so there would be no potential issue. Right. You don't want to treat you don't want to expose lots of people to uh, a virus that has a 50, 60, 70 percent mortality rate. That is not a good idea. So if you bring them back, you do want to observe the highest level of precautions and isolation. uh, And they did that. And and they obviously showed it could be done. The current worker who was just brought back uh, is probably not infected, as they said. He worked closely with someone else who did develop Ebola uh, three feet away, uh, but that person did not have symptoms when they were working together. And again, it's when someone has symptoms, fever, uh, flu-like symptoms, that uh, the virus is transmissible. Before that, it's not transmissible. Uh, So it's very unlikely this person has contracted it. Obviously, uh, they've asked him uh, uh, 
uh, asked to, to have temperatures taken twice a day. Sure. Any sign of a fever, you go into high action. But uh, uh, that's, again, a remote possibility. Uh, a commentary that you wrote in, in the New England Journal of Medicine, I wanted to bring up one of the lines in there, because you really think that the focus needs to be on uh, f- really improving the health systems and the infrastructure uh, where we're, we're talking about, because that may be the one of the biggest issues that we're going to have to deal with going forward. So let me back up a little bit. Uh, for two years of my life, uh, January 2009 to January t- 2011, I served in the White House, and yeah. one of my responsibilities was to help develop the president's global health initiative. And one of the real foci, I think, of that uh, health initiative, which I think is uh, very progressive about it, is its emphasis on building up health care infrastructure, mm-hmm. uh, both facilities as well as trained personnel, uh, and making sure that they are actually improved. Uh, one of the problems in many of these countries, if you travel there, is, uh, first of all, no health facilities, very few healthcare workers. And we're seeing that effect now mm-hmm. in places like Sierra Leone and, and Liberia, where they don't have many workers. They don't have isolation facilities. They don't even have basic things like gloves, uh, uh, latex gloves, or masks. And that has fueled the spread of this virus. Upgrading the facilities has two big advantages. First of all, it allows you upgrading the infrastructure, not Mm -hmm. just facilities, but also the training of people. It allows you to address outbreaks like Ebola, as well as other outbreaks. Uh, Furthermore, it allows you to address the whole range of healthcare problems. One of the big issues of this outbreak is people don't trust the healthcare system. They Mm. view going to the healthcare system as sort of uh, consigning someone to to die, Um, and they don't regularly use it. Sometimes it's for cost, but often it's because they don't trust it, and there aren't a lot of facilities around, and the people maybe are not well uh, trained. Uh, Upgrading that is going to uh, the the healthcare infrastructure, the ability to isolate people, the ability to um, actually have the local population trust the system, very very important, and it'll sustain uh, much bigger improvements in health after Ebola. Now, there's lots of talk about this ZMAP and other yeah. interventions, whether yeah. vaccines uh, or or other things. Um, those are all important uh, to develop, but they're not going to address this outbreak. We don't have enough of them to start with, um, and we don't know whether they're effective, uh, and there are lots of reasons to suspect, you know, even if they look promising, they may not pan out. So fundamental is the public health measures, the basic stuff, and again, when I was in the White House, I tried to emphasize working on the basics and not, you know, running around with like a chicken with uh, out your head every crisis. Uh, that is going to be much more important for long-term sustainability. So, again, the basics and sustainability are key concepts, and I think almost anyone in business, anyone who yeah. operates an organization understands, uh, you know, you got to do the nuts and bolts, and you have to think about uh, an organization for the long haul and not for every emergency. I hate to throw in a line like this, but but it's the old, you've got to be able to uh, walk before you can run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So really, this is why you, you've mentioned that this needs to be a concern uh, of the global medical community, because you have a, a variety of different sources here in the United States. You also have a variety of different sources in Europe and Asia. And to be able to maybe bring them together to be able to work on this as a group might be one of the best ways to handle this? Um, well, it, it's always important to coordinate, because one of the things that drives uh, uh, Sub-Saharan and other countries receiving health assistance 
crazy is you've got different requirements for each different country. Okay. The money flows often overlapping on some areas, but leaving other areas with gaping holes. So having coordination among donor countries, absolutely important. Mm -hmm. We learned this in the HIV epidemic, uh, where uh, very, very uh, important to get coordination. Uh, so the Global Fund for uh, AIDS, uh, malaria, and TB, very, very important creation to actually coordinate all these donations and to make sure that they were uh, synergizing rather than uh, overlapping and, and not really working together. Same thing's going to be true here. Uh, we've gotten, uh, or the world, seen a uh, uh, good-sized donation from the World Healthcare Organization, from the World Bank. Uh, obviously, uh, the CDC and the U.S. government are helping, as are other uh, developed countries. Um, it's I think, again, you know, going back to the basics, it's important to address this crisis because yeah. it's obviously undermining uh, trust in the total healthcare system in those countries. It's really having a big effect on the economies. The uh, most recent estimate I saw is that uh, they're anticipating a 4% uh, drop in GDP. Um, and they're, uh, they're, uh, um, so, so we need to have this coordinated approach. Um, but I think it, it, it is very, very vital that uh, we look beyond the Ebola uh, uh, issue because these countries have, you know, just been decimated over recent decades, and they don't have the kind of infrastructure that are needed for the long haul. I guess it, it, it's, and as you mentioned, this is something that's kind of been there for for quite some time. Why haven't we seen? more attention to this. I mean, obviously, here in the U.S., we've got plenty of other issues that, that we've got to deal with, but, you know, could there, can there be some further attention right now, right this minute, because of the fact that you have the Ebola uh, outbreak going on right now, to try and get this, the, the infrastructure turned around? Well, crises are both an opportunity and a problem. Sure. They're an opportunity because they do focus people's attention, and they do allow people to say, this is a problem and we should address it. Yeah. They are a problem in two ways. The first way is they tend to focus on the emergency without this long vision on sustainability. Uh, and the second thing is you get what's been called donor fatigue, that is people trying to help and then saying, you know, we've helped, we've moved the needle either a little bit or not, or not at all. And they sort of lose the attention, lose attention, and yeah. walk away. We've seen this, uh, unfortunately, I think, in the Haiti situation after sure. the big earthquake. Lots of attention. We're going to rebuild the country. We're going to get this infrastructure. We're finally going to get good sanitation, good roads. Well, you know, it's very hard to see that Haiti has moved the needle very much <laughs> since that earthquake, despite uh, hundreds of millions and billions of dollars being flooded into the country. And I. This is always a worry of mine whenever you have an emergency and a response to an emergency that we end up dumping in a lot of uh, resources, not in the most cost-effective way and right. not for the long term. Uh, that's, again, why uh, I've long advocated let's focus on the basic infrastructure, training of people, uh, basic facilities, medicines, and that will – it'll address the emergency typically and it'll address the longer-term uh, health uh, efficiency. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.